Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to be here this morning with you. We are at the end of 2020, if you can believe it. It has been quite a year. None of us could have imagined or certainly didn't expect what this year unfolded like. I think in some ways it brought out maybe the worst in us at times, but I think it also brought out the best in us. And certainly it helped us see who we really are. But one thing that we can be sure of is that God was present with us in 2020 and he will continue to sustain us in 2021 as we look to him for our comfort, our sense of call and identity and strength. Well, I'm preaching this morning on Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 11. This whole chapter, if you're familiar with it, is filled with hope and encouragement. Isaiah is an interesting book. From the text, as you, if you've read it, um, you can see that the speaker is addressing the nation of Israel at different times in its history. Throughout the whole book, we read of a good, patient, and compassionate God that is never failing in his love for his people, even though they are inconsistent and break his heart at times. So chapter 40 is part of what is often called the second Isaiah by scholars. It's written to the people who have had their city destroyed and many of them have been exiled to Babylon. These people, they're marked as belonging to God, but they have begun to doubt their status as God's chosen and even doubted that God is for sovereign. His promises to them for blessing and thriving and status in the world has become incongruent with what they are experiencing. Now, I think we can remember times in our lives when the promises of God that we claim don't seem to jive with what we are experiencing. We can respond to this in several ways. We can lash out at God or at anyone around us who we think we can blame. Or we can withdraw and suppress our feelings, maybe even numb them through destructive habits. We can grit our teeth and put on a happy face and serve out platitudes to ourselves and others like we do candy on Halloween. But there's another practice that we are invited to in scripture, and that is lament. Prayers of lament give voice to pain while also naming trust in God's goodness and presence. With lament, we sit in the reality that God is good and that life is sometimes devastating. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Lamentations 3 verses 22 and 23. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But what I don't always acknowledge is that this wonderful promise is tucked inside a book called Lamentations. It's easy for me to ignore the verses before. 
where Jeremiah, the author, writes, the thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. Lament allows us to juxtapose the greatness and sovereignty of our God to our pain and discouragement, our grief and despair. There is an invitation to a deeper faith in lament, believing in that which we cannot see, and a relinquishment of our control and even understanding, so that we can lean into a God that we can trust in the midst of circumstances that we cannot trust. So as we go back to Isaiah 40, we see the prophet reaching out to a lamenting and broken people, reminding them who God is and who they are. Their circumstances and experiences are overwhelming for them. They are exiled to Babylon, in danger of being assimilated into a new culture and losing their identity. Life, for the most part, may be okay, but they are not home. They are not on their own soil. Surely we have felt discouraged at times this year. Surely we have found it difficult to find new ways of connecting with people. Perhaps we've experienced anger, feelings of withdrawal, feeling exiled in unfamiliar territory. We need to lament, and we need encouragement from the word of God. So as we turn to our text this morning, we can find the encouragement we need. The promises that the prophet made to God's people in their exile apply to us as well. With Christ coming, we find the completion of all God desires for us, his people. And so let's read our passage with this in mind. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them close to his heart. 
and gently lead those who have young. Isaiah 40 marks a transition in the book of Isaiah. The prophet speaks for God who is reminding his people of his love and compassion for them and the promise to restore them to a place of identity in him and blessing to those around them. In this passage, we are invited to look to our God for comfort, for our sense of calling, for our identity, and for our strength. And so our first invitation is to look to God for our comfort. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says our God, and speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Don't we need to experience God's comfort after the year that we've had? Don't we need to hear a tender word from God? In 1 Kings 19, we read about Elijah who fled for his life from Queen Jezebel. He was discouraged from working for God with no results. As he was hiding in a cave, God came to him, not in displays of power and a pat on his bum to get him going out there again. But God came to Elijah in sheer silence, in a sound of gentle blowing, a quiet whisper. Elijah needed the comfort of God in his discouragement and exhaustion, and God came and spoke tenderly to him. When my family moved to Pasadena, the first couple months were quite difficult for us. My husband was starting as an emergency room nurse after being an oncology nurse for many years. And so he was adjusting to working nights in an emergency room. And I was adjusting to being in a new culture, not knowing anyone, trying to figure out how to get my kids into school, how to find a pediatrician so they could get their TB tests. And one morning, I was pretty discouraged and reached out to my father-in-law. I think he must have emailed me asking how I was doing. And I was really hoping for a tender word from him, perhaps some compassion. But instead, he replied, and he told me that I needed to get up and pull myself together, pull myself up by my own bootstraps, and go and do what needed to be done. Now, all that was probably true, and I don't remember that those were his exact words. That wasn't an email that I've kept. But it was a great example to me of how important comfort and tender words can be for us at times. And God, knowing that, asked his spokesperson, the prophet Isaiah, to comfort his people and speak tenderly to them. God's message of comfort to us is that we have served our term, that anything we have done has been covered doubly by his compassion, his mercy, and grace. In the song, Lord, I Need You, remember where it says, where sin run, runs deep, your grace is more. His grace more deep than our sin. I think as we think back over this year, much of what we may have experienced will spill into 2021. But we've, what we've seen in 2020, something that I hope doesn't continue, is a culture that is quick to point out the weaknesses of the other, to raise a banner of hypocrisy against others, 
to dismiss someone and even vilify them because they disagree with us. We have not been agents of comfort. Perhaps we have not spoken tenderly to those who need God's grace and mercy. Remember the woman who was dragged before Jesus because she had been caught in adultery. What would have happened if the religious leaders instead introduced her to the comfort, tenderness, and forgiveness of God? Fortunately, Jesus spoke the words that the leaders couldn't. Our invitation is not only to open ourselves up to receive the comfort, tenderness, and compassion of God, but to extend the same to others. We are talking about bringing God's kingdom on earth as both beneficiaries and agents of his rule ushered in through Christ. And so as we look to God for comfort, we can also look to God for our sense of call. What is our call? What does that mean? Well, there's a universal call, of course, that we are all invited to. For instance, in Micah 6.8, we are called to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I remember times in my life when I was dissatisfied with just the general call, wanting something specific and much more me-centered. I think we all want to feel like we're participating in God's work in a general way, but also in a way that uses our unique gifts to fulfill God's purpose. And this requires us to discern what is ours to do and also what is not ours to do. And so in our passage today, um, Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, we read again, A voice cries out, in the, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This reminds us of John the Baptist and the call that God had on his life. If we jump to the Gospel of John, verse 1, we are introduced to him. The author writes in verse 6, There was a man sent, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but came to testify to the light. John had a conversation just a few verses later with the religious leaders when they came to ask him who he was. And the first thing that he said was who he was not. The author here wants to make it very clear that John the Baptist knew and accepted who he was and also who he was not. And so the author writes, he confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. In John's conversation with the leaders, it was more important for him to establish with them who he wasn't than who he was. By understanding who he wasn't, John was better able to live into who he was. He was there to prepare the way for Jesus. He was there to invite repentance in people, to invite them to clear out the rough places in their hearts so that they would be ready for Jesus. 
He did this by preaching and baptizing. That was his specific call. He knew what was his to do. There's another story in John that might demonstrate the struggle that sometimes we have in embracing our call and not the call of someone else. As Jesus was preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection, he tells them, where I am going, you cannot come. And then in the next verse, he provides them a part of their call, a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. That is a sure sign that they are his disciples. But if you remember that story, Peter is not satisfied with just loving one another. He climbs over that to declare to Jesus that he will follow him anywhere that he goes. And we know how that went for him. And so how satisfied are we to do what we are called to do in a general sense as Christ followers? To do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God, to love one another, and continue to make a way for Christ to reveal himself in this world by testifying about him. And what about our specific call? One that is unique to us because of our gifts, our natural abilities, our interests, our experiences, our phase in life, or maybe our context? Are there things that will be left on, undone on earth if we do not discover and live into our call? How do I find it? How specific is it? I think for some of us, these are probably questions that have kept us up at night as we try to figure out the answers to these questions. Well, during this season, we have been reminded of Mary. She certainly did not make up the call that God placed on her and invited her into, but somehow she was prepared. She had a heart that was devoted to God, faithful to what was before her, but detached enough from it so that she was able to hear and obey the voice of God when he came to her with a new call. Our call is not just about what we do, but also about who we are. I think my favorite book on call is Parker Palmer's book, which is called Let Your Life Speak. To be honest, probably the reason I like this book is because it's only 100 pages. But the key thing that he does in his book is he ties what he eventually finds out to be his to do with the unfolding and unflinching awareness of who he is in Christ. His call was to deep transformation by God that brought him healing, that also allowed him to shine God's glory and for his life to be for the sake of others. As he looked back on his life and choices, he realized that there were times when he did the right thing but for the wrong reason. He tells the story of leaving the college he was teaching because at that point he felt the leadership was corrupt. But as he did the inner work of exploring what was going on inside, he had to come to grips with the reality that he was full of fear and felt inadequate to be the scholar that was expected of a professor. His willingness to admit this allowed God to do his transforming work in him 
and he eventually returned to that same college, but he was transformed and able to live into what God had for him there. And that is our invitation in what we do and who we are. I lead small groups of students who are attending Fuller Theological Seminary. And there's a question that is on the application and that they are also asked to answer at the end of each quarter. The question is, at this point in your Christian journey, how do you envision your call to God's mission in the world? It's a question that we are all invited to answer at every phase of life. God's mission could be described in a lot of ways, perhaps. Jesus said in John 12, 32, and I, when I'm lifted up from the world, will draw all people to myself. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So the question that we can ask ourselves around call in this season of our life is how is God inviting us to lift him up in our context in a way that reflects God's heart of reconciliation and forgiveness? This year, like Mary, we are, requi we are invited to be faithful reconcilers in our current context and at the same time open to the Spirit working in our lives, shaping us into who God wants us to be, and then listening for God's direction in what he is inviting us to do. So in this passage, we see that God asked the prophet to cry out to the people to give them comfort, to give them a call, and then thirdly, the prophet cries out to remind them how fragile they are. In Isaiah 46 through 8, the prophet says, All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Why do God's people need to hear this? I think we can get into trouble when we forget how fragile and temporal our lives are. Now, if you live in the Northwest, you know about grass. Part of the year, without us doing anything, it is green. But in the heat of summer, if we don't water our lawns, they turn brown. People from out of town will look at that and they'll think, oh, your grass is dead, but we know better because we know as soon as it starts raining again, our grass will become green again. We are reminded of that same thing, that we need the sustenance, the watering of God in our lives, and that without it, we will dry up and die. We are reminded by the prophet that we are not God, but we are at his mercy. He has comforted us and spoken tenderly to us, and he has given us the call to smooth the way for him to be glorified in the world, and he wants to remind us that it is about him and his constancy and his provision and his willingness to sustain us. When we acknowledge 
our own weaknesses, we are able to invite those around us to do the same. It may be in our small groups where we are honest with each other about where we are truly at. It may be with those we are close to, who though we want to be strong, need to admit when we are struggling. And it may be with our neighbors when we share something with them that indicates that we don't have it all together. All of these contexts are opportunities for us to lean into and point to the God who sustains us and others. And that leads us to the final point, that God will give us strength. My favorite command in this passage is in verse 9, where at least in the New Revised Standard Version, it says, get you up to a high mountain. There is something that needs to be proclaimed that requires the prophet to lift up his voice with strength and without fear. There are good tidings that need to get out to the people. And those good tidings are, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them close to his heart. He will gently lead those who have young. This is what the prophet needs to proclaim from the mountaintop. This is the God to whom we look. He is strong and mighty. He rules with his arm. And with the same arm, he feeds his flock. And in the same arms, he carries the lambs and holds them close to his heart. And by the same arm, he gently leads those with young. I love this. God is mighty and strong. There is no equal to his power and his authority. And the rest of Psalm 40, which we won't have time to get into, reminds us of these truths. But in the middle of this mountaintop proclamation that the prophet is giving to us, there are these verses of his gentle, tender love and leading. He delights in the young. He is gentle to those who care for the young. And he feeds us all as a shepherd feeds his sheep. In God's presence, we can put our guard down and be who we are. And so as we end on this note, we are invited to look to God. He is bringing comfort and speaking tenderly to us with forgiveness and restoration. He has given us an invitation to go before him and prepare the way, both generally speaking by doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with him, and by loving one another, and then by faithfully living in to what is specifically before us with an open heart where he might be leading us. He has reminded us that we are fragile like grass and need him to sustain us, and he assures us that although he is the strong ruler over all, he is our gentle leader who delights in us and provides for us. My prayer for us this year, 2021, is that we find in God our comfort, our purpose, the truth about who we are, 
and allow ourselves to be led by our all-powerful, gentle shepherd. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your gentleness to us. Lord, I thank you that you come to us with your comforting words, your tender voice. You come to us desiring to work in and through us to bless the people around us. And Lord, where our strength runs out, your strength picks up. Help us, Lord, to lean into you, that we might point others to you through our testimony, and that we might find in you both who you've designed us to be and what you've designed us to do. We'll give you glory this year and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to end with the last verses of Psalm of Isaiah 40, which I know many of us are familiar with, and we'll, this will be our benediction. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen.